Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast, you guys. Uh, I'm pretty excited today. We have uh, somewhat of a functional training expert on the podcast. Uh, Dr. John Rusin is joining us today. Uh, welcome, John. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, always. It's my pleasure. Um, I know some of you guys listening to the podcast will know who John is. Some of you won't. Uh, but just so you know, uh, John is hailed as one of the top, uh, top 50 leading fitness experts in the US. And like I said, he, is, he has become one of the functional training kind of gurus in the industry. You probably hate that word guru, so I'll try not to use it too much. But um, I want to hear kind of, uh, I just want to start this podcast by learning more about you, get, giving us giving everyone listening an insight into how you got into the industry, what your kind of evolution in the industry has been, what you've seen over the years, and, um, and how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, pretty interesting background. I started coaching athletes 16 years ago. 16 years ago, I didn't know anything. Uh, I remember the first workout that I've ever had was with the JV varsity football player. And we bench press and did like a Nautilus machine circuit. And we high-fived at the end. And we're like, fuck yeah, that was awesome to a 15-year-old. But it's evolved a lot from that starting point. And uh, early on in my career, I worked predominantly in high-performance athletics uh, in professional sports here in America and then Olympic sports abroad. Uh, that took me all around the world. And really, that was my passion project. Uh, that took me through uh, multiple years of education as well while maintaining uh, that coaching base. And the last seven or so years has been a little bit more focused on general health performance and wellness. As I transitioned out of high performance athletics, I transitioned into education. And that's what I do right now as the founder of the Pain-Free Performance Specialist Certification. And I'm the owner of a, a couple different businesses centered around coaching and wellness strategies in the fitness industry today. But our big mission is how do we gain fitness, health, and longevity through a consistent physical practice that we can not only have now, but for life. And simply put, how do we have fitness play a role in making our entire life better instead of playing a negative role, which has been something that has been a problem as of late in the fitness industry. So bringing our smarter training systemization strategies forward, I try to take the complex science and make it simple make the simple actionable and make the actionable automatic. So our clients, our coaches can habituate our systems, live our lifestyles and really just reap the benefits across the spectrum of a lifestyle. Mm. Was that a, a conscious choice to move more into general health and away from uh, athlete, athletes? It was, uh, I was an athlete growing up and I spent a lot of time in the competitive space myself. And then that transitioned into many of my early on influences but I was a little bit burned out on the thought that I was going to be putting performance in front of health for my athletes, that I was going to have to sacrifice their long-term health, knowing very well that they were into it at the time to ultimately get them a fraction of a percentage point better. And doing that long enough, you're like, man, this is fucked. You know, this doesn't make sense because when this athlete's 37 years old, they've been retired for eight years. And they're walking around with a limp and they can't play with their three-year-old daughter on the floor. What am I actually doing? What am I doing with my expertise? What am I doing with my career? And ultimately, what am I doing with a vocation? Because as personal trainers, as strength coaches, we are in a selfless service-based profession. 
And I simply didn't think that I was servicing these athletes as well as I possibly could with some of the constraints that I was on uh, in some of the areas that I was working with. And there's nothing wrong with competing for championships or competing for a gold medal. Uh, you know, I got off on that for a long, long time and I still get excited about it. You know, my, I have a seven-year-old son. He loves the NBA. He loves uh, watching any sort of sport or documentary about sports. So it still gets me excited. Right. But the things that get me more fueled in terms of passion and vocation today are seeing real life people do extraordinary things and be able to reverse the negative trajectory that their life may have been on because of things that we can teach them and formulate a plan forward. That's what. Yeah. Really and, and you can just reach more people, right? Cause there's just, there are way more people that need help in that general way than there are the, the 1% of the 1%. You know what I mean? I would argue that it's the biggest opportunity of a lifetime today sitting here in 2022 is we are dealing with a massive health epidemic here in the United States and abroad, especially right. in societies. And it is going to be the challenge of a lifetime for any allied health or fitness professional out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly been, you know, that's become one of our, our, our main missions at Ferris Athletic Club, um, you know, and I think that the pandemic only highlighted it for us, like, you know, the, the, the mental and physical health of people um, became way more important than, than anything else. I think a lot of us, when we open gyms and we start out as personal trainers, we all have this kind of thing of like, oh, I'm going to train athletes and movie stars and I'm going to do these amazing like transformations and build these physical, physical specimens and so forth. And then after a period of time, you realize, well, that's actually way less important than helping a lot of people just get generally healthy physically and mentally. And, um, you know, one of the one of the great things that came out of the pandemic for us was was the mental health aspect. Like a lot of people, because we managed to stay open during the pandemic, we had an old our whole outdoor gym and so forth. And a lot of people were saying, you know, it was the one thing that that kept them going through the pandemic. The one, yeah. you know, the one light in their day that that made getting out of bed worthwhile. Otherwise, it just became like pajamas and Netflix. Um, so yeah, it, it's it what what we do, you know, uh, in in a in the gym environment and in, in the sense of physical training transfers so deeply into these other aspects of people's lives, whether it be social interaction, um, you know, uh, the act of doing something for mental, mental health, the act of betterment, um, the act of movement itself, you know, all these things contribute towards giving people a better day, a better life, a better use of their time, a feeling of accomplishment, uh, a feeling of motion. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's just so important. And of course, it's down to us to, to highlight it because, you know, it's not going to come from anywhere else. <laughs> you know, time's proven that. Like, it's, it's going to be up to us to say, listen, the first thing you should do is focus on nutrition, on your nutrition, your health, your working out, your exercise, you know, your body. And then, you know, start worrying, start looking at maybe medications if, if we even get to that point. But maybe we can help you before you even need that. Maybe we can solve the problem through these simple um, daily activities. I'm so glad that you brought up the topic of mental health because I think that many times it gets swept under the rug in today's industry because there's nothing less sexy to talk about than someone's mental headspace right now. But we know today that this is arguably the number one factor that can push forth any sort of goal set, any sort of trajectory for positive movement in a lifestyle. 10 years ago, you would ask me like, how is, how are your athletes mental health? I'd be like, I don't know. Like we're trying to win a fucking championship here. Who gives a shit? 
And I've matured a lot in that time. But I think that, you know, the rise of the pandemic and then the negative effects of the pandemic and the way that people were in survival mode chronically for months and years at a time, it changed the priority for what we need to be thinking about in terms of health and fitness professionals. I used to argue that daily movement and nutrition, that's the cornerstone. That's the number one. Before we even train, we need to worry about that. Far surpassing today, we need to make sure that we're okay. You know, we're feeling mentally okay. We're feeling taken care of to the point where that is our foundation and we can build upon that. The caveat to this is this is extraordinarily tough. As hard as it is to build muscle or to burn body fat or to move better through the movement pattern system that we teach, uh, being able to be a, a careful and also a, a, a casual person that can identify problems that may be in your clientele and be a, self, a selfless serving coach that can help support them when they need it, even if it's something simple. Those are tall tasks for many new professionals in the field. And it comes down to being able to have common sense, but also to have a why and a service bigger than yourself. And I think that anyone who didn't have that is the forefront of their mind during the COVID pandemic. I think they're out like selling real estate or doing something totally different in a profession. They're no longer a trainer because I think it becomes very clear that if you're not truly trying to take care of people at a deep level, mm. then you will not be successful. Your clients will not be successful. And likely it will be clear and cut in stone that it's not something for you to continue on this profession. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really is the most important thing. Uh, you know, we talk about this a lot when it comes to long-term adherence to a program and motivation uh, and consistency. You know, if people are unhappy or they're not like getting a sense of enjoyment out of it, you know, just in the simple sense, they're just not going to continue. So, you know, we get so carried away with like the perfect program and, you know, is, you know, is this going to like meet their goal and are we doing everything in the program that's athletically correct? And what, what you become, what you come to realize after a while is if you can make this person happier, if you can give them a sense of belonging and community and purpose and enjoyment and fulfillment and all those things, that becomes a way more important factor in their, you know, adherence, their membership, um, and their kind of loyalty. Yeah, uh, to, the to, to the consistency, right? Yeah. So all those yeah. factors that you just mentioned improve consistency. They might improve frequency. And they also may unlock somebody's ability to work a little bit harder in the session because of the camaraderie, because of the culture that they walk into in a gym space. And I always thought it was funny. I was like, that, that stuff is not repeatable online. Uh, that's coming from somebody that has multiple online businesses. Those factors of being able to have a smiling face in front of you, have other members being able to sweat with you and being able to have the environment and the culture surrounding you every time you step in, those are things that are deep driving factors to consistency because you said it, it's more than just a result. You'd, you'd be surprised the people that achieve world-class results are sometimes the ones that will quit or burn out mentally before they can ever maintain a consistent basis with what they want to be able to sustain. It's not all about the results. Yes, the results are important. I'm not saying mm. that. But I think for long-term results, we need to be looking at longer-term strategies that hit somebody in the heart a little bit deeper than a six-pack. 
Right, exactly. And that that's, you know, that's that's the that's the key word really hit them in the heart. Like that, you know, that kind of feeling you get when you're when you're part of a community, you're part of something that you're, you know, you've got momentum with, you're enjoying, you're making those connections. Connection is another great word that like has really been highlighted in the last couple of years. Um it does it does become, you know, just such a huge part of of what we do. And I've noticed it because we, since we moved to Ottawa during the pandemic, which is a couple of hours outside of California in the mountains. Yeah. And um, I went from training with people all the time to training on my own a lot of the time, just because of the situation that we're in. And the, the biggest thing you notice, of course, is it's not, it's not the program that changed. I'm pretty much doing the same thing, but the, the feeling is completely different. You don't get the same um, the same energy you don't get the same um, vi vibrancy that you get when you're with other people and we always said you know results are accelerated in a group environment not because um, group class is the best thing in the world not because CrossFit's the greatest thing in the world but we we rise to the energy of people around us this is why sports and, and sports teams are so so effective and so um, addictive because you you enjoy being around other people and you enjoy the the energy that you get from other people and that spirit that surrounds you you know and we'll get into this in a little bit and we'll talk a little bit about the, the the pros and cons of crossfit and that kind of stuff but i think one of the reasons why it was successful is because people miss the team sports that they had when they were you know when they were young they miss they miss playing football they miss playing volleyball they miss playing soccer they miss all the all the team camaraderie that you used to have in those team sports once you finish college and you're in the real world it's like headphones on, go to the gym, don't talk to anybody, do a workout, go home. And it's a totally different thing. And I think what CrossFit allowed people to do was to, to re-engage with that, that spirit and that sense of camaraderie that you, you used to have. Um, it allowed us to be kids in an adult <laughs> facility again, um, which is a, you know, is a big part of, of the Pharos experience that we, 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 try and, um, we try and get across. It's not just the programming, it's not just the equipment, it is the people, it's the people that make the difference. And if you can create that energy in that environment, then, you know, everything else kind of, kind of falls into place. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, that whole thing just can't be overlooked. I, I can't agree more because uh, this is something, obviously not owning and operating a gym, but having an education system that runs hundreds of courses a year, being able to be in person educating is almost as advantageous as being in person training because right. there is that environment, there's that electric environment if you can do it properly that connects people in an experiential way that they want to return and they want it to return better and this mm -hmm. is something that we had to persevere against uh in covid you know we took about five months off not running any events because right. we gather a lot of people together and we teach but i always believe that if you could not only educate but entertain a room but also hit them and impact them a little bit more deeply than just the X's and O's of a programming strategy, then that would really laser focus the coach that's sitting there. But it would also give them a little bit more of a vision on how they could translate it into their own life and how they could translate it into their work. And this is something that we've been priding ourselves on since we've had the certification starting in 2019, is that we take the most dynamic presenters in the world that are already experts at our system and we try to make them even better because managing a room for 16 hours and being able to teach, being able to share, being able to connect using that word again, it is huge. But it all goes back to human connection. 
human connection being really the synergy that we can create in any sort of environment, no matter the goal or the endeavor. And I always thought it was funny that like, you know, Xing out human connection and acting like it didn't matter anymore. And here's a better solution. Mm. Fuck that. How did that work out for us? Record levels of obesity, chronic injury and pain rates that are worse than ever before in human history, and a mental health epidemic along with a physical health epidemic that's rising rates are just making me literally sick at times. We need to be doing stuff differently and we don't need to be falling into the averages. Hey, this is what the average gym does. This is what the average person does. The average person today, they're sad, they're sick, they're overweight, and they want change deeply. Yeah. We're trying to create outliers. And I hope that many people listening in this podcast, you're not trying to be average. You're trying to be an outlier. You're trying to live your best so you can be your best for everyone else that is going to be around you, whether that's your family, whether that's your community, whether that's your workplace. Because man, we only got one life to live. Being fucking average, especially when average is deteriorating on a year-by-year -year basis, not interested in that. Yeah, yeah. So to go um, more specifically kind of into what you do uh, and to what, uh, and we'll talk about the course, you know, in a little bit, but how would you, this is, this is a hard one to answer because when people ask me this, I'm like, uh, but how would you describe what you do and how is it different from what other people do, would you say? That's a great question. I have a good answer for it because I've been asked this many a time and I had to reflect upon this, especially in the hardest times in the last three years. What do I do as a profession? I am in the role of proactive, preventative health care. And healthcare is not one fucking word. It's two words. It's not reactionary medical-based healthcare. It is getting in front of the problems before yes. they start. It's trying to prevent. It's trying to be proactive, active being the, the word that I want you to focus on because you do ultimately play a role in your own life, in your own health, in the way that you're able to live at a higher level. So what do I do for a living? I want to make sure that people stay happy, they stay healthy, they stay progressing, and we formulate a way to create physical culture that is part of their life on an automated basis. Proactive, preventative health care. And you do this, I mean, obviously you do this through the courses you teach, and you also do this through private coaching? Yeah, um, a couple of years ago, I transitioned. I started traveling full-time for the PPSC. So I transitioned into online coaching. So manage a number of online training clients. Mm. That's the only training that I'm doing on a one-on-one -on -one basis today, but also have uh, I have the really unique opportunity to see tens of thousands of my clients use different programmings uh, over the course of the last number of years. So we run membership programs that have a, a lot of people doing them, uh, single sale programs with communities built around them. So you end up seeing a lot of end users use your things, but also the behavior of the end users, which at mass scale, you can see commonalities between the wins, the losses, and some of the confusion that lies in the industry today. Yeah. What when, when we talk about like confusion in the industry, um, let's go a little bit into that. What, what are the what are the confusions that you come up against, would you say? What are the major confusions? It's been evolving. Uh, but today, I feel like people are coming off the couch at rapid rates. So we've been in this purgatory-based mindset where it's like, oh, I'm just going to wait this shit out. Like, 
now's not the time. I'm not willing to go and do something new because we may be locked down again next week, or you know, there might be some other mental barrier I need to jump over that I'm not quite willing to do yet. That was supposed to be a couple of weeks, right? Turned into a couple of months, turned into a couple of years. And we have people that are highly sedentary more than ever before today. So our ends of the spectrum are really polarizing. So yeah, you got the super fit people that are sexy as fuck on Instagram. And then you have the people that are like, yeah, two sub 2000 steps per day, living their life between the couch, the office decks, the shitter and their bed. And we need to be able to speak to both of these people. But the interesting thing is that I can safely say that like, hey, I think we made it out of COVID. Like everyone high five, cool. Like we can make it past that. But that leaves people with, okay, I need to return to doing something because I'm 45 pounds too heavy. You know, I'm having sleep disturbance issues. My nutrition, I'm eating like a child and I need to get this going again. But mainstream media has been really, really good at either saying nothing, hey, training and fitness and nutrition, it's not really part of living a healthy lifestyle. That's what we've been told the last three years. But also we've seen that, hey, if you wanna go from fat to fit or fat or whatever the catchphrase of the month is, that you have to do extreme things. You're gonna be going on a four to five hour exercise endeavor each day. Gotta fucking quit your job to do it. And then when you get home, you're going to go on the ice cube diet. You are going to be so limited in what you are putting into your body that the crash and burn rate is going to be 99% for average people. Right. And this has been so deeply pushed into our mental headspace that, hey, either I do nothing because I'm not willing to do everything, but everything is never the smart, sustainable action plan. We need to be able to enter a space, sustain it, and take a step-by-step -step approach up. So I see the extremists going from nothing to everything very quickly and ending up back on the couch a little bit more mentally burdensome than even if they were never to start in the first place, which kills me. Right. But the quote that I hear from people that I hate because it does hurt me is that I tried exercise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried exercise. It didn't work for me. Quote, unquote, it didn't work for me. Oh, that's what we're up against today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and, and you mentioned social media, but social media makes it so much worse because, oh. you know, extreme, the extremes of things appeal, the extremes sell. So we, we've had this, you know, for years in marketing. It's like, if you, if you promote the extreme of something, then people are drawn to it. So it's an extreme diet and it's an extreme workout. It's all these extremes, uh, especially in American culture. Um, so people, you know, people are attracted to, and people, you know, and I, and I think back to, I think back to my early days at, at Jim Jones. And one of the reasons Jim Jones appeared, because it seemed like this like exclusive, like extreme form of like warrior fitness that people were just drawn to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's what people, what most people need, what 99.9% .9 of people need is just consistency of movement and doing things generally well. And the, the extremes of things are never, never the answer, though it's the thing that you see the most. Because if you just put on Instagram, all you need to do is get up, move, and eat well. Like it just doesn't sell. It's just not sexy. So to people, to people aren't drawn into it. So we're kind of like fighting an uphill battle when it comes to communication because 
you know, if you post average stuff, you don't even get on the algorithm anymore and they just kind of kick you off. Whereas it seems if you post the, the most extreme, the most sexy, the most ridiculous thing, these are the people that you just see consistently on your reel because that's what sells and that's what's marketable. So yeah, it's one of those things that we kind of have to <laughs> kind of negotiate as we go, as we go through. Yeah, the two things selling today is the freak show and the sex show. Right. Those are the two, you know, somebody doing some extreme shit where you're like, whoa, I'm going to send this to a couple of people. Not because I like it, because holy shit, did you see the blood coming out of that guy's eyes? Yeah. And you're like, I'm not sure that's a photoshopped ass. I don't know if that's a fake ass, but that ass has never been seen before. So is that helping anyone? Uh, I'm in the business of education. I'm in the business of trying to push our industry forward with smart, scalable ways to simply do things well for consistency and longevity. And, you know, I don't think that's the reason that, uh, or I do think that's the reason that I'll never have 10 million followers or people be gawking at, you know, my oiled up abs on Instagram. But this is the big misconception, right? This is the question. It's like, how do you target the right person? Because especially if you're a personal trainer or a gym owner, the last thing you want is people coming in and messing with the culture that you worked so hard to build. Culture is not like a switch on or a switch off. It's something that is lived. It's something that's breathed. It's something that's cultivated over a long period of time. So it's always the question between volume of like, hey, we need to get people in here and actually pay the bills and getting the right people in that may build it a little bit slower, but will build in a more sustainable way, the right way. Something that when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you feel good about what just happened at your facility and with the members. And you're actually changing fucking lives and not just having people, hey, hold my phone and video me while I do this exercise. Oh, we've seen that so many times. It's like, why are you really at the gym for this? Right, right. You're not here to change your life. You're here to change the the algorithm. Uh, it's a it's a strange one. Yeah, and it's it, it's a strange it's a strange one to to navigate because, you know, it's that kind of love hate relationship. We kind of all hate social media, but we all need it to kind of survive in a business sense. And you find yourself doing stuff just because you feel you have to, even though, you know, a lot of the time you just don't want to. Um, and yeah, it's you know you're always fighting that uphill battle like you said there's there's people who just do ridiculous things that have five million followers and then you're trying to put like genuinely good educational stuff across and you maybe get like ten thousand if you're lucky so it's it's a tough one but you know it's the it's the devil we all know at this point <laughs> um <laughs> especially in los angeles right right for sure for sure um so if I were to um, look at a program uh, by John Rusin, if I were to look at, I know it's going to be different, like depending on how many times people train a week and stuff, but in general, in a general sense, what would your kind of ideal session look like? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the multimodalic training. Uh, and I think that model serves the health and longevity clients that we predominantly work with extraordinarily well, because ultimately we're trying to manage multiple physical different characteristics all trained simultaneously so we can improve them simultaneously for the long run. And what does that actually mean? It means that we're training elements of movement quality, power, performance with strength, muscular hypertrophy, endurance, conditioning, and then being able to have some sort of skill and movement practice that can open up your brain as much as your body. But 
that's not necessarily what most programs look like today. It's not what most training models look like today because again, it's very polarizing to do one thing. Hey, I only power lift. Six reps or more is cardio, bro. Those people. Or, hey, I'm an Ironman athlete. Lifting weights? <laughs> like it's going to take away from my road work. So how do you implement all these different physical characteristics being trained to ultimately expand the human movement spectrum mm -hmm. and the physical characteristic spectrum that is innate to our species? Simply put, how do we rebuild our people's human movement systems so they can be stronger and more resilient, not only in the gym, but in their lives now and forever? And that model is an interesting one because I do believe that it feels a certain way when you're in a training session that really goes balls to the wall in different physical traits. And I do feel that people are able to walk out the door feeling that, hey, I worked really hard today, but I know that I'm going to be able to stand up from the toilet tomorrow. I know that I'm going to go and be able to play with my son at the park tonight. And there is very low risk and there's very low central fatigue associated with it because of the distribution of the types of volumes and the types of intensities that you can put across different physical spectrums. So that is the model that I found the most amount of success with. Caveat to this is that I do have clients that do participate in barbell sport. So if you're a bodybuilder or you're a power lifter or your goal is to go to Madison, Wisconsin and compete in the CrossFit games, we're gonna have to manipulate that a little bit. But going back to my background in high end sports performance, I'm simply today not willing to give up somebody's health and longevity for a tiny percentage of a fraction point to get better at their performance. Because I ultimately believe that the healthier the person, the higher performing they're going to be no matter the endeavor in front of them. And that gets me in trouble sometimes because they go, no, 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 no. It's either health or it's performance. Athletes are the most unhealthy people on earth. That's how you win a gold medal. <laughs> Good luck with that going forward because today the game has changed. Yeah. 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 And what you're, what you're talking about, and we, we talk about this a lot in the podcast, is basically the hybrid athlete, right? We're talking about hybrid, hybrid performance. Uh, we, we, um, for the longest time, we've called it like multiplicity at the gym. We're a, a facility that has multiplicity. We're a facility that, that believes in the hybrid athlete. And very similar to what you just said, it's bringing in these different elements of uh, strength and conditioning and putting them together with, with movement and functional training to, you know, to provide these programs that kind of tickle the boxes for one of a, a better word. Uh, yeah. um, and, you know, I talk about this a lot. Um, it's hard to walk that balance between doing what we're talking about as opposed to just throwing shit at the wall and becoming a Barry's boot camp or an F45 or something yeah. like that which is the other extreme, right? Which is just like a bunch of shit thrown together just without any kind of like thought or programming. It's just like doing a bunch of stuff, which ends up, of course, being nonsense long-term. So especially when you're, you know, you're trying to program for a lot of people at the same time. So we have 700 members at the gym. They're all doing these, you know, these different programs, you know, whether it's build or whether it's train, each program has a different bias, a different emphasis, but they all, uh, they all encompass all of these different elements that we're talking about. So it's really, um, it's, it's a really interesting line to walk between, okay, this has to make sense in a kind of like sports science progression type, you know, scenario. It has to be good for them. It has to be healthy. It has to be fun. Uh, they have to get a kick out of it. Um, and you find yourself, of course, what's the best thing for most people in this scenario when you're doing these big 
group sessions. It's different, of course, when you're working with individuals and you can be a little bit more specific about you know, what you want to do with them. But when you're programming for general populations in, in these kind of bigger groups, you have to think in, in the hybrid sense, okay, I'm trying to think about all these different elements. Uh, I want to get them all in and I want to make sure it's applicable for a bunch of different people. Um, and that way, you know, you can affect a lot of people in a positive way. You can kind of like tickle the, all the boxes that we're talking about. Um, and, you know, it, I, I think I agree with you that this is the best way to, for the for most people, and you mentioned obviously there are outliers, if you have specific bodybuilders who want to do bodybuilding, if you have specific CrossFitters that want to do CrossFit, of course, it's a different kind of thing. But for most people, for general population populations, this kind of hybrid sense of, rebuilding a human being, building Batman, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is the best way. And I, I'm, I'm really glad that we went about Faris in the way that we went about it, because this, is kind of, this was kind of our vision from the beginning. We didn't want to be a CrossFit gym. We didn't want to be a, a bodybuilding gym. We wanted to be a hybrid gym. We wanted to kind of like bring in the best of my experience that I'd seen in the fitness industry over the years, bring in the best of Emily's experiences, bring in the best of um, Jeff, who was our original business partner. We all had different experiences in different industries. And we'd seen positives and negatives in those industries. And it was like, how can we draw the best of those industries and put it into one facility and give people what they really need? Um, and you mentioned this before, they don't need high risk, low reward stuff. They need the opposite. They need low risk, high reward um, with bias, right? Depending on that, depending on their goals. Um, so yeah, it's, you, everything you're saying is very close to our... <laughs> Uh -huh, which is which is why you coming to the the gym to do this course is a great a great fit for us yeah and i think it's a testament to you and and your partners because simply put this is a tough way to program it's a tough way to train it's a tough way to get people to buy in but as you mentioned if you can do it properly it is the most effective way that you can invoke change across somebody's health and their quality of life that's not to be taken uh, for granted. That is something that the coaches go deep diving in on this thing to play devil's advocate. The reason that most people shy away from the multimodalic based training model is because they're just simply not willing to put in the time to see how things ebb and flow together to yin and yang the different physical characteristics. Yeah. And also they don't know how to, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to do it. There you go. Which is why you see, um, and a lot of these, a lot of facilities just they just aren't run by by fitness people. They're they're run by business people. Which is why you just get kind of programming that's just like it could be anything on every given day. It's whatever it is. Um, whereas of course we're thinking about cycles. We're thinking about progressive overload. We're thinking about okay, how does month one move into month two? How does the year look? Um, you're just thinking more broadly, and you you can only really do that if you've been doing this for a long time. If you've had broad experience in these different areas um and if you if you care if you give a fuck right because a lot of these places you know they're all they care about is numbers they just care about the people coming in and out the door what do the numbers look like you know how do we attract these people how do we make it more sexy uh what are people like well people like to come in and sweat and then they leave the gym and think oh, i sweated really hard and i had a great workout my heart rate got up uh, and then eight weeks later like i can't fucking do this anymore this is killing me um so it is, you know, up though, because like 700 members at Pharaohs, that's like something really cool. Like it gets my academic brain like really going. Uh, at one point in time in my career, I was doing consulting for major league baseball teams. 
and they were trying to have all 350 of their minor league and major league players follow the same program, which is like asinine to people like us. But, you know, you go in and you got to fine tune this shit. And that's what got me really interested in like, how does a scalable system invoke the most summative change that we could possibly have? So how do we do the greatest amount of good for everyone? Mm. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. And I do believe that it's become easier and easier because the average person walking around America today is becoming more similar than we'd like to admit to. I don't know anyone who's not spending multiple hours a day on their cell phones. And if you do, like, I probably haven't come into contact with you. We're driving more than ever before. We're sitting, especially in LA, you know, we have sedentary behaviors, even in people that train an hour or two in the uh, the gym per day. So there are these different strings that we can pull with our programming that can influence almost everyone. You look at those 700 members, you know, you're probably batting uh, 900 looking at the way that you're able to program across this different spectrum. And that's really intriguing for me because we know the power of personal training. Like, of course, you get a personal program for you, but the average client avatar is becoming more and more similar just because of our lifestyle demands of today. And that's a good thing for the fitness industry, especially if you're running a model like this, because it's going to be more and more of shooting fish in the barrel if you can run it properly. Yeah. And it's like you said, I mean, most people, obviously there are always allies, but most people need similar things, you know, and they need better structure. They need stronger glutes. They need better hamstring activation. You know, they, they need to retract their shoulders more. They need better lat activation. You know, all these things, you just see these commonalities, which is why group, group training does work and why it does become effective. Um, because it's not like it's of course we're all different where we will have um we have uh, different makeups different anatomies uh different structures but broadly speaking you see a lot of similar issues we see a lot of similar problems um that we can help in similar ways and would people be better off just doing personal training and having specific programs maybe um and i think that there are of course cases where it is uh, applicable but I'll go back to the the thing of like, broadly speaking, uh, I think problems are similar enough um, and the benefits of group training um, surrounded by people who are doing a a very similar thing to you, you know, they have a similar purpose, similar energy, you know, that becomes a a driving factor in your adherence and your your performance, um, which maybe outweighs, you know, the personal attention you get with personal training, perhaps. Um, that's been my kind of experience, um, over the years anyway. And I, I came into this, you know, before I started Farrah, you know, I came into this from a, from a personal training background. I was a big Poliquin guy. Um, I was integrating kind of Poliquin stuff with Jim Jones stuff, which with kind of CrossFit stuff, which I know seems, sounds strange, but that was kind of where I was at in the early, um, in the kind of, in the early two thousands. Um, and you know, that kind of evolved into, um, into the group training. And I'd kind of call it like, you know, functional bodybuilding, I know has become another kind of watch word, but um, that is basically what it became. It basically became uh, functional bodybuilding because um, I'd come from, you know, a lot of my clients over the years had been like bodybuilding type clients. They were looking for the bodybuilding type of effect. And then I'd had a lot of people coming in for kind of more CrossFit type stuff and the CrossFit evolution came in. And then the, the Jim Jones work that I was doing was integrated into all of that. So, you know, and then the functional training kind of evolution was all kind of at the similar time. So you had all these uh, like elements coming in and I had a boxing background. I was, I was used to teach a lot of boxing 
So, you know, I had all these things in my brain and all these different elements of fitness that I loved um, and I still love all of them. And it was just a way for me to integrate all of those things. And Emily, of course, um, who you know, Emily's been following you for years. Her, her whole thing was, um, you know, kind of repair and uh, reconstructive um, uh, fitness and, uh, you know, mobility. Uh, and she's had a, a series of mobility companies over the years and bringing more mobility into performance. Um, so bringing all those things together basically is to, is to where we are now, uh, which seems to be in a kind of similar similar place to you. Although I think you're you're you know you're doing things in a a more uh, scientific probably uh, way because you're the way just the way your 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 kind of company is is organized with the with the teaching and the coaching and and so forth. Um, but I think. If you were to look at our programs in a general sense, I think they would be kind of close to what your philosophy would be. Oh, it's the principles, right? You know, the principles hold true no matter what your flair, what your style is. Mm. I just want to say, like, congratulations, man, because in 2020, what we all we all got told in the industry, group training's fucking dead. If you're running right. a training gym, fuck you. You'll never work again a day in this industry. And congratulations for not giving up on your dreams and your vision. Because yeah. I know a lot of people that were highly successful that pivoted so fast that they couldn't even get their head around their bodies. And they yeah. gave up on everything that they worked their entire career for. And seeing it come out the backside and seeing the success that you guys are having, seeing the membership, seeing the electricity of the environment that you have, you know, that's something that stood the test of time but it also stood up against the challenges that we could have never thought were coming our way. But I'm so excited to hear brands and gyms like yours having success again. And all that being said, you did it in LA, which is like, oh my God, that is maybe the most challenging city in the country for this stuff. Well, and it was it was kind of strange because I, I kind of knew because I knew how short-sighted people were, were being. I knew that you know, companies like Peloton that were saying at home fitness, it's a new thing. You're just going to be at home. You're going to work at home. You're going to work out at home. Your whole life's going to be at home. I was like, dude, there is no fucking way. People will go insane. And when you've been doing this for long enough, you know what the gym is. And it's not, it's not just about fitness like we've mentioned before. It's about society. It's about community. It's about bonding. It's all those things. We are social creatures. We need to act socially. We can't live isolated in our homes it just doesn't work and we now see with, with the peloton thing kind of collapsing and at home fitness kind of being like you know people are still doing it of course but it's kind of losing its momentum um and i knew i just knew it would it's just there's just no way people can live their lives like that it just doesn't it just doesn't work that way we need commune um so as hard as the, the pandemic was we i will say of course we were fortunate we we were able to use our car parks we were able to move everything outside it took a fuck ton of work um but we were able to do it and we were able to to provide um and you know i see myself as a provider in in many senses we were able to provide fitness for for people uh provide opportunity for people and that enabled us to survive and again it, it just became such an important part of not only other people's day but but of our purpose like our value is like we, we feel valuable right now because I know this is helping people 
and that sense of value enabled us to, to persevere. And we had dark moments like everybody. And, you know, there were days we were like, oh, my God, is this going to work? Is Are we going to make it? Like, you know, we didn't we didn't know. And of course, when one year turned into two years and you were like, oh, my God, is this ever going to end? And then the one mandate turned into another mandate. And you're like, oh, my God, are people just going to like down tools? But, you know, people are resilient. And, you know, we talk. you mentioned this a little bit before, but a lot of what we do in the gym is about building resilience. Um, and if you can build resilience in the gym, that resilience transfers to real, real life and real events that happen. And I just, I just think that people were, people were strong enough to deal with it ultimately, um, which is testament to them and kind of testament to, you know, what a gym can, can provide. And um, yeah, where we are right now, you know, we are, standing at a point now where we're kind of stronger than we've ever been in terms of membership um you know not to say that some people didn't leave and you know some people did get terrified by the pandemic and never came back and i think they're still in kind of a state of you know a shock and aftershock and all that kind of stuff but a lot of them you know did come back and then more people new people came and, and so forth so yeah it's it's been a hell of a journey and it's been uh, we learned a lot of lessons doing it um but ultimately, I, I, I took a lot of positives, to be honest, from the pandemic, as bad and as fucking horrible as it was. You know, I think I learned a lot about the industry. I learned, uh, a lot about the, learned a lot about the nature of people. I learned a lot about, like, what you're doing in terms of it's our job. It's our job to provide this, like, preventative health now because no one else is going to do it. Um, we have to be the leaders in that, in that space because it's not coming from in the news. It's not coming from... The government or whatever you want to call it um it's not coming from the people that are meant to be leading us it's it's got to come from it's got to come from us so um i think it heightened our sense of mission and purpose and, and all that good stuff so i hear that over and over again like i i have the the pleasure and opportunity to work with a lot of the best brands in the world uh in the fitness space and especially the more niche gyms like yours uh it solidified your mission and purpose is to ask why you're doing what you're doing and who you're doing it with. And that's the kind of fire in your gut that doesn't go away. I know for myself, uh, some of the hardships that I dealt with personally with our businesses and the way that we were not able to operate, it simplified the process for us. Why are we doing what we're doing and how do we do it better so we can do it forever? And you know, you remember the relationships that you built. You remember the people that were there for you, the ones that weren't, you remember those people as well. And again, as much as we want to be physical outliers with our training and our health and wellness, I also want to be an outlier as a leader and a business owner as well, and be able to provide opportunities for everyone who works with us. So taking that on your back, it can be a lot, like it can be a lot. There's some, there's some stressful days, but when you do it for other people, not only yourself, I think it just pushes you forward. And, you know, it's just like a testament to Pharaoh's Athletic Club, it's not like, okay, yeah, we made it out of the pandemic. Now, okay, our members are coming through. No, you guys are bringing in education. You're doing things that are 1% of facilities and brands out there do. It just goes to show how you're operating the show and it's never going to be good enough because you're always going to be pushing those goalposts back to make it better for everyone in your network. And that's a testament because there's not many people doing that stuff out there. Yeah, and I always, I always wanted to, I always said that I want the space to be a space in which great coaches can hone their craft. So it's it's as much about the coaches as it is about the members, because at the end of the day, if you have great coaches, you have great members. Um, so providing education and opportunity for coaches to improve their craft 
was always a big part of what, what I wanted to do. And of course, you know, it takes time. It can be a challenge to get to that point where you can offer that. Um, but it's, I think it's going to be such an important part of our growth to really, you know, really invest in uh, education, invest in our coaches, invest in improvement. Because when, again, when we talk about adherence and membership and people like staying with us long term, I want people to feel that, you know, we're genuinely interested in getting better. We're not like sitting on our laurels and like, well, we know everything. So you just need to come to us and we'll help you. It's like, no, we, we are all evolving. We're all growing. We all need to improve. We all need to get better. You know, you always have those clients that come to you with like a specific problem that you want to be able to say, yeah, I can help you <laughs> rather than uh, don't really know what to do here. So I'm going to refer this out, which of course you should do if you, if you, if you, if it is out of your wheelhouse, but yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting because I, I finally feel that we are in a place where it's, it's when I look at it kind of objectively, and it's interesting because coming to Idlewild allowed me to look at Ferris Athletic Club more objectively from a, from a, for a further away point, which gives you clarity sometimes, because when you're not in it all the time, suddenly you step back and you're like, okay, I can see kind of like the bigger picture. It's the vision of it is becoming more and more what the initial intention was to be. It was to be that kind of playground for great coaches to, to, to hone their craft, to build, to excel, um, and to, to be able to serve, to be able to serve the clients in the way that I would want them to be served. Um, and, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our coaches have grown with this, you know, when they first came to us, they didn't have a ton of experience. They weren't great coaches. Um, and it takes trust and time and education to, to improve them, to prove us, to improve the brand and all that, all that, all that good stuff, because you don't, you don't just hire rock stars from day one. Like that would be, that would be great. <laughs> that doesn't happen. You, you, you hire great people and you turn them into great coaches. That's basically what, what happens. Um, I mean, a couple of rock stars over there i know personally yeah there's a couple of rock stars, Lucky. But, yeah but it yeah broadly speaking it takes time but it, we do have we are fortunate in that in that sense um I, I know we don't have much time john there's a couple of things i want to just touch on real quick with your experience in the last few years um with i know you you work with a lot of like crossfit athletes and that kind of thing you've you've got a good amount of experience how have you seen that evolution in this kind of functional training space it's probably brought you in a lot of business and you probably had to do a lot of managing of, of those type of athletes uh, in terms of their expectations and the, what they should and shouldn't be doing and that kind of stuff. How's that kind of affected your business? Um, you know, just anecdotally, uh, the clients that I see moving in from barbell sport are usually the ones that are banged up. That's not everybody, but that tends to be my niche. So hmm. somebody coming in uh, out of a CrossFit space, whether it be competitive or recreational, Many times we're co-managing different injuries or different uh, systemic burnouts where we get them back into being a health and longevity client before we can return them into the wild if they ever want to go back. Right. And right. that works extraordinarily well. And I think it is, um, it is relieving for people to know that maybe I don't have to kick my own ass seven days a week on this squad in order yeah. to get fitness results. And I, I do see it differently than maybe like you know, 10 years ago where the CrossFit space is definitely evolving. Like, I don't even know what the word CrossFit means anymore. Uh, I was actually just interviewed uh, a couple months ago at the CrossFit Games by their education and leadership staff. And it was a really interesting conversation about the, just the evolution and what does this mean anymore? But I do see that uh, there's more of a willingness and an openness to run a model very similar to yours and I, as opposed to a more traditionalist model that in my personal opinion has become archaic at this point. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think the, the good thing about the CrossFit space is um, I think there are a lot of people in that world that genuinely want education and they want to get better and they want to improve and they want to learn about power and they want to learn about power endurance. And they want to be, know how to become a better endurance athlete. And they, they have that desire to get, to get better and to get more skilled and all that, all that good stuff. Um, but I think you touched on it there. I think the problem was, the problem is burnout. The problem is just doing too much hard stuff all the time and realizing it doesn't doesn't benefit you. Um, I think people are coming around to the kind of idea that this is good sometimes, but right. it's not good. Elements of everything are good. And that's the yeah. training model. And I, 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 feel, I feel the same way about things like yoga. It's like people just get obsessed with one thing and they do it to fucking death. And it's like a certain point, look, you gotta, you gotta mix this up. You, you can't do yoga nine times a week and think that it's getting you any better at a certain point. Um, and it's the same with CrossFit. It's like, you know, what after what after what after what after what is ultimately going to do you more, more harm than good. Um, I, get, I get the addiction. I get, I, I've been there. I know how fun it is. Um, but it's, it's kind of just pulling back and saying, there's room for it in my program it, in certain levels and in certain intensities, if I can be smart with it. But it just gets to the point where it can't be, you know, an all the time thing. And I think you're seeing it with, you know, if you look at the top end and how the athletes are, you know, most of them only have a few years in them because you just can't operate at that level for that amount of time. It just, you know, it just takes too big of a toll out of your body. And I know a lot of people, and I've seen that over the years, they get so kind of burnt out by it that they can't even get to the gym because the, the thought of it is just too much. The thought of like the intensity and the thought of like how much damage it's going to do is just overwhelming at a certain point. You're like, you just can't do it anymore. I have a lot of clients that uh, they struggle. They have a, uh, they have a dysfunctional relationship with physicality based on some of these really high intensity burnout based physical practices. And it's not just CrossFit. Uh, there's multiple different ones that have become highly popular in today's day and age. And that is what you're at risk of. It's not like, Oh, uh, elbow tendinopathy or, you know, your lower back's going to hurt. My biggest risk in my mind for our clients are to have your mind be fucked to the point where you no longer want to be physical act, physically active and you don't find value in that because you think you have to continue to push into pain and dysfunction. Yeah. It just doesn't have to be that way, but that is a deep and dark hole once you're in it to try to climb in out of. You know, yeah. I have clients that go in and out with me that struggle with this for years, if not a decade at a time. And just trying to rewrite the, the principles again, especially when they think they're one thing and you think they're another, it's a really tough thing. And that's always going to be the risk. It's like, I am not interested in having a client or an athlete do something that they are not able to sustain for life. That's just what I coach and live by today. Because mm. I know that the gains in the next six weeks or the six months or even six years, they don't really fucking mean anything. You know, what about your sixth decade of life? How are you doing then? You know, yeah. Are you physically autonomous until the day that you die? These are the questions that uh, are tough to think about, but they're important to ask, especially when you start gaining rapport with clients. Is uh, mm. We not only want to live a long life, we want to live a great life for as long as possible. And that starts today, no matter how old you are, no matter what kind of shape you're in or what kind of history has held you back in the past. You yeah. Know, Day is today and we all have different starting points but we can move in a positive direction no matter where you're starting 
Yeah. I saw a lot with the collegiate rowers that I've come across over the years. So I've met a lot of collegiate rowers that will not get on a rower. They're like, I'm not going anywhere near that fucking thing. That for, for 10 years, that fucking thing was the devil in my life and I don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's fun. Um, next thing I just wanted to mention real briefly, uh, we do have this course coming up uh, at Ferris Athletic Club uh, on the 12th and 13th of November, the pain-free performance. Uh, what can people expect from that course over the, over the weekend? They are going to leave with the blueprints to help their clients that may be falling through the cracks for pain, injury, dysfunction. We're going to use a simple system in order for you to screen and assess foundational movement patterns. We're going to be able to set up optimal training programs and strategies to get people feeling their best, functioning their best, so they can unlock their consistency, their longevity, and actually live a better life from it. It's a 16-hour course, so eight hours on Saturday and eight hours on Sunday, and we are going to have a combination between lecture and also practical. So it's going to be hands-on, but you're also going to learn a thing or two throughout the coursework. And uh, I'm biased here, but you're going to learn from one of the most dynamic presenters in the game because our team, unbelievable. Uh, they change what it is to be an unbelievable educator in the sense of it uh, with the level that we're instructing at. So it's always a, it's always an event. I love it, man. That sounds amazing. I can't wait for it. I'm really excited. Um, apart from the courses, how do people reach out? How do people uh, learn from you? Uh, and how do people um, connect with you? Social media is a great way. Uh, Instagram and Facebook at Dr. John Russin. Uh, you can check out a ton of free content over on my personal site, which is drjohnrussin.com. And to learn more about the Pain-Free Performance Specialist Certification, no matter where you are in the world, as we're worldwide in person, you can go to getppsc.com, G-E-T-P-P-S-C.com. And we are launching our 2023 schedule here pretty soon. You know, we're closing out 2022 at great places like Pharaoh's Athletic Club, but into next year, we're really excited to be going global again. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll have you back in 2023 because I know this one this one sold out pretty quick. So we'll have to get more more in the books. But again, thank you so much for joining me, man. I, I love talking to you. I could talk for another hour or so, but uh, we'll do this again at some point, I'm sure. Oh, you. Um, but yeah, thanks again, brother. It's, it's awesome to talk to you. Um, I'm thrilled for everything that you're doing in the industry and we need people like you. And um, I'm, I can't wait for the course. It's going to be awesome. And uh, I look forward to meeting you in person then. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Take care, my man.